and welcome to the Innovation Forum podcast for Friday 16th December with me, Ian Welsh. Earlier this week, I spoke with Earthworm Foundation's Barra Robin about some of his work in the palm oil sector in Indonesia. We were joined by Wayudi Putri Widodo from palm oil company Banco for some on-the-ground perspective. We talked about the perennial challenges in making impacts at scale and how Everland and Banco's collaboration is tackling those. That's to come. First, though, it's time for some sustainable business news. Hot on the heels of finalising its regulations on deforestation-free supply chains, the European Union has struck a deal to establish a carbon tariff on high-emitting goods entering the EU. The move is designed to protect EU heavy industry as it decarbonises from cheaper imports coming from markets not subject to the same level of environmental regulation. The emissions tariff will apply to iron and steel, cement, fertilisers, aluminium and electricity. EU-based importers will have to purchase certificates to cover embedded CO2 emissions. This will essentially mean imports are subject to similar rules as materials manufactured inside the EU, which are subject to carbon permits based on the pollution from the manufacturing process. Countries with environmental rules similar to the EU's may be able to be exempted from the tariff. The new process will replace the existing rules where the EU gives domestic polluting industries free CO2 permits so that they can compete with imports on a level playing field. The change being made to comply with World Trade Organization rules. The apparel sector has been increasingly under pressure to lessen its impacts amid continued growth. In this context, the Sustainable Apparel Coalition has launched a new decarbonisation initiative that will require all of its members, which represent around 50% of the apparel and footwear sector, to commit to setting science-based emissions targets from 2023, with a two-year period in which to get them approved by the Science-Based Targets Initiative. The coalition says it will provide members with step-by-step guidance detailing how to set appropriate targets and will provide support to help companies deliver on these. The apparel sector should be cutting absolute emissions by 45% this decade if it is to align with a 1.5 Celsius pathway, the Sustainable Apparel Coalition has said. Reflecting the tensions that have been a feature of recent climate cops, divisions between developed and developing economies over who pays for the necessary change have been a feature of the COP15 nature meetings in Montreal. Dispute over who should carry the financial burden to protect biodiversity has led to some walkouts. One particular point of contention was around the level of aid for biodiversity that should be given to relatively rich countries such as China, Indonesia and Brazil, all of which are set to be among the top five recipients of UN grant funding through to 2026. Other biodiverse countries in Africa, Latin America and Asia have argued that they should receive more cash to pay for conservation. At the other end of the scale, European and North American negotiators have argued that the likes of China and Brazil should be contributing more and be moving to be donors rather than recipients of aid. We shall see what happens. The Innovation Forum team are working hard on developing our 2023 spring conference season. We'll be discussing responsible sourcing and ethical trade, sustainable apparel and textiles, the future of food and business and climate action and scope 3 emissions. More details on all of that over the coming weeks, but do go to the Innovation Forum website for all the latest information and how to register at launch rate discounts. We're going to be in Minneapolis on the 31st of May and 1st of June for our Future of Food event. Already on board to participate are senior representatives from Danone, from McCain Foods, the Soil Health Institute, Applegate and Field to Market. All you need to know is on the Innovation Forum website. And if you want to join us, right now is a good time to register, as there is a $600 discount on conference passes available at the moment. 
The deadline for this discount is extended to Tuesday 20th December using the code PODCAST when purchasing. Recently I spoke with Bana Robin from Earthworm Indonesia about his work in the palm oil sector and we were joined by Wahuju Putra Widodo from palm oil company Lion Banco. We talked about their collaboration and how they work together to address the challenges on the ground. Let's start by thinking a little bit about the work of Earthworm. Can you give a bit of background to your work? What are your goals at Earthworm and how do you go about achieving them? In Earthworm, we always start our approach by connecting brands to their producers, refineries, as well as sourcing plantations in order to support their sustainability commitments. And our supply chain work has always been the approach or rationale for us to work in a specific landscape. By connecting brands' commitments to the direct intervention on the ground, we have somewhat a clear visibility in our goal for this specific sourcing area. On the other hand, our relentless landscape team had always been using participatory processes, going into the targeted community in order to ensure inclusivity and transparency throughout the process. Landscape diagnostics, as well as participatory land use planning, or we call it PLUP, are two main approaches of our direct intervention in order to understand the situational background for environmental as well as social in the specific areas. Intervention also may, may vary from, you name it, like organic fertilizer testing up to intercropping practices from one area to another. In general, we divide our main interventions to several outcomes for our targeted landscape around forest protection and conservation, resilient farmers, community rights. This would include the tenure and, and conflict resolution work, stakeholder support, as well as workers and families. At the end, this outcome is interlinked one to another in a multidimensional way as if we wanted to resolve one challenge in a specific theme. In most cases, this will need the support in finding a solution for the other themes. So we're going to focus on a palm oil project in Indonesia. What are the principal challenges for the palm oil sector in general and specifically in Indonesia? This issue has been going on for quite some time and has been going on forever and ever, I would say. But I guess we would see three main challenges mainly for Indonesia. I would say still deforestation mostly driven by smallholder plantation as well as old plantation with low productivity. This would somehow relate with one of our solution within the field for the replanting. So we want to ensure that the replanting is directed to the right beneficiaries, for example, with the right mechanism going forward. The second would be still around tenurial issues. So we see illegal activities going on here and there even between communities and concession, as well as government-owned. So this kind of relates to Earthworm's grievance mechanism policies as we established. This usually escalated into conflict. That's why we have one of these sets of activities of the conflict resolution. The third would be around labor issues, informal workers, contract with less to no benefits, health facilities, even fairness on the target versus payment, and um, a bit of a child labor. So those three, I guess, would be the main challenges that we face at the moment. So you're working with Lao Banco, Indonesian palm oil business. What are you doing with them and why did you start working with them? So I guess as a background, we know that Aceh province is 60, around 70% is basically supplied to global market. This gets through producers, brand, etc. And the fact that their concession are located in the looser ecosystem periphery. So you can imagine that this would mount a global concerns with regards to deforestation. Lao Banco is not a big producer company and categorized as small enterprise. Their lack of exposure of sustainable initiatives, while big producers 
uh, for example, have the commitments that follows with resources to support the sustainability work. This is not the case for them, basically. We need to support Loud Banco to kind of show that the small medium enterprise can also achieve sustainability pathways. I mean, they're aware of, of their limitation, the lack of resources, hence the commitments and the need to showcase publicly that, that palm oil smallholders can achieve sustainability measures. Thanks, Barak. I'm delighted that we are joined now by Wayuji Putro Widodo, Section Head for the Sustainability and Smallholders Scheme, which is known as PLASMA, at Lao Banco in Indonesia. Welcome. Perhaps you can start by giving us a little bit of background to why your company started developing more sustainable practices in your operations. Hello, salam kenal. Saya Wahyudi, Manager Sustainability Lot Banku. Hi, a pleasure to meet you. I'm Wahyudi and I'm the Sustainability Manager at Laut Banko. I'd like to share the story about Laut Banko's sustainability journey. Before 2020, we didn't have a sustainability policy, as well as the request from local communities on the gazettement of Laut Banko's new land use title. From 2014 until 2021, we kept finding several allegations that Loud Banco was among the companies that harmed the forests. In 2021, we adopted sustainability and NDPE policies, and we started to understand the importance of sustainability in the palm oil industry for environmental, social and labor reasons. We also conducted conflict mapping in partnership with BORF, a team of experts from Forestry and Environmental Faculty at the Bogor Agricultural Institute, in order to conduct the integrated HCV-HCS assessment. What about your work with Earthworm? How is that developed? We started our journey towards sustainability in mid-2021, when we encountered Earthworm Foundation, an international NGO. After that, we brainstormed about sustainability in the palm oil sector and agreed on a partnership with Earthworm to implement sustainable practices in our business to include environmental, social and labor aspects. In July 2021, we collaborated with Earthworm to develop the NDPE scoping on environmental, social and labor aspects. For NDPE, we first catch up with sustainability aspects by developing its standard operation procedures. Then we socialized HCV within the company as well as local communities. After that, we started to monitor the forest cover that has been identified as high carbon stock. After that, we set up information board to socialize on the designed HCV as well as restrictions for people below 18 years to enter the area the importance of HSE and also grievance mechanism. In August 2021, together with Earthworm, we carried out a verification exercise on the grievance mechanism follow-ups that resulted in a report in which we involved the Global South Semester Factory team. In September 2021, we established Loud Banco Sustainability Team that includes environmental head, social head, as well as labor head. We also implemented a dashboard, as well as joined several training sessions to build internal capacity about HCV, HCS identification, labor, 
FPIC and conflict resolution. In October 2021, we gradually implemented all sustainability requirements. We have set our impro improvement plan in collaboration with Earthworm. In November 2021, we teamed with BRF from Bogor Agricultural Institute to conduct HCV HCS assessment alignment to HCVRN standards, including HCV HCS error identification within Laut Bancos concession and its surroundings. From December 2021 to last April, BRF from Bogor Agricultural Institute carried out a public consultation on their HCV HCS assessment. They also carried out a social impact study and held a conflict mapping in Loud Bankers Concession. From May 2022 until now, the report on HCV HCS has been submitted to HCVRN for the first review. Multi stakeholders collaboration to solve conflicts has been also conducted. We also implement monitoring in the HCV HCS area. So, uh, what's next? At Laut Banco, we continue to make an effort to make the requirements until we get the ISPO certification. We are strongly committed to be sustainable palm oil plantation and to be environmentally friendly. And this was the story on our transformation and journey towards sustainability. Thank you. Barra, back with you. What are for you the big achievements of the project? Not a self-declaration of achievement, but I guess this is something that small steps that we achieve together in collaboration with them. Laut Banco has committing to protect 475 hectares of conservation areas identified within their concession. And in the late 2021, Rainforest Action Network named Laut Banco as one of the companies that had shown the most notable progress in ending forest clearance. In addition, after completing an HES and HEV assessment in quarter two 2022, Laut Banco designated a conservation area in total of 690 hectares, um, total of go and no-go area, and has planned to restore a further 1,462 area, both inside and outside its concession. In addition, the, the company developed a plasma scheme and set aside around 740 hectares for eight farmers cooperative as part of the conflict resolution work plan, as we call it RKPK in, in Indonesia. Earthworm also facilitated the implementation of the plasma scheme, engaging the National Land Agency, BPN, to legalize the plasma plots already agreed with these 488 farmers, covering a total plantation of 500 hectares. From a community rights perspective, Earthworm provided support to conduct conflict resolution processes as part of Laut Banco's engagement uh, with local communities. The scope included a disputed area of 460 hectares claimed by 52 local communities within one division of Pete Laut Banco's concessions. A joint team of Laut Banco, the National Land Agency, village government community representative, and also Earthworm conducted a ground verification exercise of the concessions boundaries. This ground verification process provided the foundation for Laut Banco to draft 23 conflict resolution work plans, so RKPK basically. And the recent updates, the Laut Banco has established an MOU with SMK Satu Sultan Daulat, which is a vocational school in Sultan Daulat subdistrict, to support their curriculum alignment to develop an industry-relevant curriculum for their graduates, basically, yeah. And from Earthworm's perspective then, what have been the principal challenges in the project and, and how have you overcome them? I guess it would be um, Laut Banco have limited to no resources to support this target. This, this itself is a huge challenge when you talk about small, medium enterprise for Pamol. 
when they started the family journey, they have been cut down from buyers as a result of the deforestation issues, the public push and drive. So their challenges would be on how to keep the business running while embark on the sustainability journey. One of the solution is to publicly commit to NDP commitments and embark actually on the sustainability journey. As we partner with them, we try to mobilize our producer members to support the journey so they could really support the transformation process, as well as to submit the HEVRN report to, so then to be reviewed in order to support the commitments. You mentioned the challenge around keeping the business running whilst going on the journey. I guess ultimately they have to develop a more sustainable approach to keep their business running because their customers are requiring this of them. So it's a necessity, not a nice to have. So what's next for the project then, Barra? I guess in the in the shorter term, we would keep aiming, I guess for next, we keep aiming for the persistent issues, which is quite of a long-term conflict resolution. As I mentioned before, they have quite multilateral conflict resolution with the government, with the community. So I guess we keep on supporting on that particular issues. And from the HGV point of view, I guess uh, we will keep supporting Laut Blanco to conduct remediation action plan for conservation. So basically compensation for the forest loss. Ian. Going back to what we talked about earlier then, in terms of the challenges for the broader palm oil sector, what do you learnt from this project with Lao Banco? To what extent do you think that the issues addressed by the project reflect the overall palm oil sector challenges? Well, I guess the spirit would be walking bits by bits, Ian, in this case. So, so in the spirit of sustainability, this would kind of provide the proof of concept, we hope, of replication uh, on others to follow, basically. Encourage others to replicate, as well as to prove limitation and challenges can somewhat be overcome through collaboration and long-term partnership. And to solve these issues, I guess we just have to be courage enough to be grounded and to be centered on the issues. That's why most of our earthworm workers and supporters are based in the field together with them, face the challenge on a daily basis. That would be one of the agenda going forward. What are the key components that need to be in place to allow project impacts to scale? You talked about proof of concept. How do you get beyond that and move towards project implementation and project scale? Grounded is one of the keywords that uh, we hold best. We try to build local capacity, basically, Ian, um, working closely with the local stakeholders as much as possible, um, not only to ensure inclusivity within the process, but also the transfers of knowledge to transfer the capacity for them. The second would be around develop workable mechanism. This is something that we try to work out going forward in the long term on a scalability model, together with the key relevant stakeholders to best to come up with a viable, sustainable business plan, if that makes sense, going a micro business and then upscale and I guess do our application and so on and so forth. The last thing would be to, and importantly, to institutionalize this mechanism within local institution. I guess this would kind of hold like several periodic multi-stakeholder meetings and discussion uh, over time. Thinking of Earthworms work going forward then, what are you going to be doing more of in the future in the palm oil sector? I guess taking into account several of our approach that has been moved, quote unquote, from the piloting phase into a more replicative phase. We plan to scale up our approach in order to reach bigger impact for all key relevant stakeholders. This scale up concept will definitely involve several stakeholders, as well as a robust concept with a ready to launch business model in a specific targeted landscape. Apart from the scaling model itself, we will keep on supporting the replication process to other landscape with similar characteristics. So just ensure the replication is smooth. Apart from that, we will keep on involving more players across sectors, be it national and subnational government, private sectors, partner organization on the ground, as well as academics and experts in order to achieve our common goal and common impact for the environment communities. Lastly, I guess some discussion around theme diversification, such as food security initiative, as well as climate adaptation metrics and efforts are on the menu for next year. 
not only it's going to scale impact, but also to ensure that we work together to find a solution for the people and planet. Well, thank you. It's fascinating hearing about your work and also the work of your colleagues at Laubanko. But for now, Barra Robin from Earth from Indonesia. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. As ever, the Innovation Forum website is the place to go for all the latest analysis and interviews. And don't forget to register now for the Future of Food event in Minneapolis on the 31st of May and 1st of June to take advantage of a $600 discount on passes. The discount is extended for podcast listeners to Tuesday 20th December. Just type podcast into the discount code when you're checking out. But that's it for now. I've been Ian Welsh, and until next time, when I'll be looking back over some of the highlights of 2022, and there have been some, goodbye.